right. How you doing, everybody? I forgot my password on my... Am I losing my mind? Huh. Hey, hon, can you come up here a second? I figured it out. It's our it's our bank um, pin number. And so, listen, I went to bed really late last night. I don't think it was worth it, a uh, preseason game at Seahawks. I don't think it was worth it, but uh, wow. Okay, so this, you know, I'll be on a little break after this, uh, this, this morning, but uh, here, like, some of you are new, you're like, what's with that guy? What's his problem? <laughs> So that is very interesting, uh, your brain and everything that's going on. Thanks, Leanne, for sharing that today and how we can get involved. And I'm glad it's, I'm not the only one having to do stuff. There is a great church here to be part of. If you're, if you're here in person, I, there's some maybe family and friends are visiting here today. It's great to have you here today and to see and, and to get to meet you. If you're online with us, it's an opportunity that we have to connect with you this way. And we're, we're glad for that. Uh, to do that this morning. Here in just a few minutes, you might notice if you're in person, we have some communion little kits here, and we're going to be using those in a bit, and we'll give you some directions for that if you're online. I encourage you just to find something in your kitchen if you're in the home, at home, coffee, cookies, whatever, to, and your juice crackers, uh, we'll take that time. It really doesn't matter what it is, it's, it's the significance that we'll have this morning. But we're continuing our series uh, called Promised Land, and we've been going, if you don't know, we've been going through the book of Joshua, and we're, we're coming to a place where we're going to kind of basically talk about the recovery from a setback that took place. There was a setback that happened, and it's very significant, that, that, that really, really kind of was a, a challenge for them. And we're going to talk about how to recover here in a moment about setbacks, but we've all had setbacks, I'm sure, in our life. And I, I would say that just this recently, the, the, the setbacks that that have happened here in our world. You, you look back this last week, there's been a lot, right? We've, we've seen the, the poor Afghani people and what's going on there. And the, the fact that the Taliban had come back in after 20 years. It's just devastating, very demoralizing. And, and we see the, the, the rights that are being taken away. And, and, and we, we, we watch the news of Haiti and with the earthquake. They're just, you know, they're just trying to get themselves, get their infrastructure back after a terrible earthquake a few years ago. Now they're getting hit again. We're finding ourselves here in this, this really big setback with, with COVID and the Delta variant. And, you know, tomorrow there's going to be an indoor mask mandate. And, and, you, and, and not only that, I mean, I, I came this morning and I had a, I had a friend that texted me that they, a longtime mentor he had had passed away, COVID. Uh, my friend Sam Middlebrook, he's a pastor at CTK Yakima. Uh, he has COVID and, and, and he's in a, you know, he's on a ventilator. So please pray for Pastor Sam. I, I know that there is people that come up 
that told me, I would say maybe three or four people told me today, please pray for a loved one that has COVID. I ran into people this week that had it. So it's, it's happening. Like these are setbacks that we're experiencing on a global way and friends and family and people around us. But all of us have gone through setbacks in our life. How do we, how do we get through them? How do we work, how do we work through them? Which is what we're going to talk about today. So all the heaviness that goes with that, I want to tell you that, um, that there's, it, it, it hits us, and sometimes our setbacks that we go through, they can be our fault. And so with the heaviness of the season we're living, let me give you a little levity to make fun of myself of a setback that happened several years ago in my college years. I was an intern working in a church, and you know, when you're trying to, you feel, you know, I was feeling God's called me to be a pastor and all this, and it's very, you know, very admirable of me to do this, and people are like, you're going to be great, you're going to do good, and, and I tried to keep the good boy image and, and what I was trying to do there and, and follow this expectation, but I had a problem, and the problem was I had a driving problem. Over, like, just a six-month period of time, I got three tickets, and I was involved in two accidents, now the first one, my buddy was in front of me and, and he was kind of hot-dogging a little bit down a country road and I, I thought, I'm just going to go around the guy, right? Well, I go around where there's, you know, it's dash lines, but then I go around and there's double lines and I got on the other side, got picked, you know, got pulled over and, and then, you know, 35 and a 25 and then, then I'm, you know, attending, uh, I was out Western and I was going to school and, and if you know Indian and whatever road that goes up, commercial champion or whatever it is and I was, I was turning and there was, I didn't see the sign because I was looking at the, I was looking at the red light but there was a sign over the corner that I missed that says no turn on red. And I turned on red, and I was coming, you know, car was coming up the hill, and they sideswiped me. It was totally my fault. Got a ticket for that. So then I'm, I'm hanging out with a buddy. We're at Barter's Drive. Does anybody remember Barter's Drive in Bellingham? You were around. It's like, oh, I missed the Barter special. It was so good. And, and I was just sitting there in the drive-in with my friend, and a taxi backed into me. Okay, so there, there's all these things happen within just a matter of a few months. I get a letter from the DMV. It says, you're basically going to delinquent driver school. Okay, so I had to show up on a Saturday for this three-hour class. Well, what'd you do? What'd you do? Like, I don't know. I think I had my radio on too loud or something. I was distracted. And so that was humbling enough. And then, you know, on top of that, though, then I, my insurance shot through the roof. Like, I made $400 a month, and my insurance was $300 a month, okay? I'm not going to be able to pay insurance. And so I just stopped driving, pretty much, to stop driving. And, and then I had a bike. Uh, but I lived on top of Alabama Hill. That was kind of a bummer. And so, but I started dating this cute blonde girl. And, and, and I said, hey, you want to go out and everything? Yeah, let's go out. And she goes, I said, well, can you pick me up? That would be, you know, this wasn't really like, you know. So I did that. We hang, hung out together. It was nice. And then, and then um, I was going to go to a summer camp to be a counselor. And I was driving out of town in kind of the Marysville area. And I was, and I was coming through. And again, I didn't pay attention to speed limits. I get pulled over again and, and, and issued a ticket, a four ticket, and, and, and they, you know, driver's license, registration, insurance. So I don't have insurance. And he's like, do you realize what, you know, that's, that's a, it's, that's, you're going to get fined. Pretty, and where, where were you going in such a hurry? I said, well, I'm going to be a counselor at this summer camp. And he's like, you are a horrible 
example of a person for, you know, are you going to have children in the car? And, you know, they're insured and, you know, all this. And like, this gave me this lecture plus a $500 ticket. Remember, I make $400 a month, by the way. I mentioned that. And so I said, hey, you know, this cute blonde girl named Christy, I was starting to date. And like, hey, you want to go on a little date? Let's go. Could you drive me to this court? And I just got to, you know, get this thing reduced and everything. I'm just saying, her folks were not impressed with me the first year, okay, of our dating relationship, all right? And I, I, and I you know, a very humbling experience I have. It's very hard when we go through a strength, setback after setback. Now, I could blame a lot of people for that. I could say that, you know, that this happened, this happened, the circumstances, but really at the end of the day, the source of the problem was me. It was my fault. I blew it. I'm the one that, that messed up. Let me ask you this question. What setbacks experiences are you currently, or are you currently going through? Listen, there's misfortune events that have happened. Maybe, you know, it's been a jarring car accident, a new illness or medical condition. It might be an employment layoff. It might be the bombshell. People have heard, I've counseled people that they found out their spouse has committed infidelity. You might be a parent. You thought your child was an angel and then you find out they're doing what? What do they get involved with? Phone rings, devastating news of loss of loved ones, and just, just a string of setbacks I heard walking in here today and all that's going on that it represents. All those a factor in that. Some of those things, many of those things that were not your fault, that happened suddenly, but other times we've got to look back, what did we do wrong? The source of it. And really, many times it can be setbacks are really caused by, by sin. That was the case for Joshua. That if, if you last week I encourage you to go back and, and watch the message or read chapter 7 or really what happened because what happened was is they there was sin that entered the camp basically and it needed to be dealt with and it needed to take, take place but there was an, out of it came this setback that happened that, that they suffered because just a, a chapter before they had this massive victory over a fortified metropolis of Jericho and then the next battle they faced was this puny little village, an AI, and they got defeated. And it was a huge setback, but there was reason for it. And the source of it was sin. The question then was, what will they do next? How will they get through it? And for all of us, how do we deal with setbacks? How, this morning I want to talk about how to bounce back from a setback. And it stems back, this whole series we've been doing, the book of Joshua on the promised land, is that we've been saying over and over that the promised land, or pursue a promised land, is not just getting there, getting to the destination. It's not just surviving a setback. It's how we deal with it. How do we work through it? It, and it's the quality of the journey that we really are and that really matters. And see, as followers of Jesus, yes, receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, that's great. You're good to go to heaven. That's the destination. That's awesome. But Jesus didn't just come and die and rise from the dead so that you get to go to heaven. That's a really great reason. We'll say the number one reason, but we actually, it has to do with the quality of the journey of our life on earth and how we handle life, how we go through the setbacks after setbacks really matters in our faith and our relationship with him. That you're, you are, if you know Christ and, and you're in a relationship with him, yes, you get to go to heaven. We're going to spend time talking about that and reflecting that in communion. 
But God had this covenant with his people, this promised land that he said to Joshua and over and over again, he says to us, it's not just getting there. He says, I will be with you wherever you go. That was this promise that Joshua had and that God was going to be in, in, in with him in the victory, but God was going to be with him in the losses, even in the point of sin in, the, in their lives. And the same for us. Setbacks will happen. And you're going to feel fatigue. You're going to go through failure. But what you do next matters so much. For know this true, kind of our true promise today is this. How you handle your setback will set you up for your comeback. How you handle your setback will set you up for your comeback. We all like comeback stories, don't we? I'm a sucker for the Rocky movies. I think by the time that I'm, I'm old and really gray, there's going to be like Rocky 15. Come on, we're going to believe that. Sylvester Stallone is going to be dead, but there's going to be the ghost of Stallone coming back. I don't know. Something's going to happen in these movies. I love comebacks. I love Rudy, the movie Rudy and the football. I, I just watched again uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker with my son. It was just kind of fun to, you know, that we love kind of from the ashes. In fact, we sing songs from They'd say we're rising from it. It's but the, but there's a there's a mental uh, mindset that we have when it comes to this comes comes to this idea of a comeback. We love that. Oh, Winston Churchill, whose job uh, was really a tough job during World War II as a prime minister and the shelling that happened, bombing of, from Germany to England. He said this: success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. Success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. When I couldn't remember my password this morning on my, la on my, my that was a bit of a setback for me. My brain was tired. I was trying to figure it out and I needed to push through. And when I got back up here, I kind of felt embarrassed. I felt like, everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Especially if you're new with us, going, I, there might be some conversations with the people that you came with are going, is he okay? Is your pastor okay with that? There's some, there is some humbling that happens with that, that we're human beings and that we, we forget things and how things go. And, and so what do I need to do? I, I kind of like, I, I was almost going like, I, I wish I didn't have to preach now because I'm kind of embarrassed. But I had to say, no, I have to keep the enthusiasm here. This is a, there's a mental mindset to do that. And I, Lord, I'm going to need your help. And as I was sharing that with you at the beginning, I was praying. I said, God, I, I need your help here. I, I, need, I need some help. I need to figure out how to cope with this. And that's really what's amazing in scripture is yeah there's chapter 7 of Joshua but I tell you there's hope it's called chapter 8 that we're going to look at here this morning and with Joshua and Israel and I think it'll speak to us and so there's notes available in your program here today and and I want to encourage you to write these thoughts down you can fill them in how do you, how your setback can set you up for comeback we left off chapter 7. I mentioned that there was the loss of lives. There was capital punishment. There was cleansing of the sin of camp. It was really a very difficult time that Israel was going through. But the question is now what? How do you get back on? How do you figure this out? Well, we're going to spend a, a few minutes together on two verses. We're going to spend, in fact, a majority of our time in these two verses that really summarize the whole event and this whole next battle that, that took place. Verse 1, this is what it says in Joshua 8. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. These words were massive for Joshua. We need to recognize this. 
That God was saying these words to him to remind him of who he is to him. To remind him, like, I've not forgotten you. In fact, you could write this in as a, as a thought and fill it in. Defeat does not define us when we listen to God to remind Defeat does not define us when, we listen, when you listen to God to remind you and prepare you. Defeat does not define you when you listen to God to remind you and to prepare you. You got to think that Joshua is feeling pretty let down. That all that happened, and there must have been some doubt that came over him going, I think God's going to pass me up. I think he's going to find another group of people to fulfill what he's going to do. I, I think we've blown it. And I think we've experienced that before, like it's too late, I've blown it, and yet God is a God of second chances. And so when Joshua heard these words, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, I hope he thought, and I think we know he thought, he probably went back to, to chapter 1 when the calling was there, when he said in, in 1-9, he says, be strong or courageous, do not fear, for, for I am with you. That came back for him, I'm sure. That moment there was that assurance, and I think, I think the same thing for us, to get an assurance, and even then when we sinned, and yes, there's going to be consequences when we sin. And yes, we need to make amends. If we sinned against someone, we need to go to them as much as we can, an opportunity to go to them and say, I am sorry, will you forgive me? To do what we can to do that. And yes, we, we don't know what, what's going to happen, what, whether they receive, they, they forgive you or not. That's not really up to you to do that. Don't worry about it, but you did your part. But know this, is that once you allow, allow ask for forgiveness, and especially to God, Especially with God, God forgives. And God lets the past failures go. The question is, do we let them go? Or are we allowing the past failures to hold us back to experience the comeback? That we're actually held back by it rather than moving forward. What happens is we feel guilt and we feel shame. And Satan, our enemy, wants to enemy wants to pounce on us and and just say of the past and the condemnation that comes on that we are have not only failed that we are a failure now i don't want to blame the the cop that pulled me over marysville and gave me the lecture he was probably going buddy you better step up it was like it was kind of a wake-up call me what kind of example are you but i lived with that condemnation for a bit but i needed to go back and go no I, i i'm getting past this And the way to do that is to turn to God's truth. Scripture is filled with flawed, broken people that God used over and over again. And and what's beautiful, many times, they admit their wrongs. One of those people is Apostle Paul. We look at him as a hero of faith. He wrote a lot of the letters in the New Testament. You're like, damn, that's the guy to look up to. Well, read chapter 7 of Romans Romans 7. Read read chapter 7 of Romans, and you will find that Paul is admitting his failures. He says, I do what I don't want to do. I keep on doing. Does that sound familiar in your life? Like, I keep doing that. What's going on? And he's like, I just keep to fail. I fail. I fail. And then he even says this at the end. He says, I myself, he's concluded, my my mind am I a, a slave to God's law, but am I in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin? I keep doing what I'm doing over and over again. And this slavery, maybe you felt that way, slavery to sin, it's rooted in regret and at least discouragement and defeating feeling. And it sets us back, sets us back, sets us back. And at some point we're like, why try to even do good? I'm just going to mess up again. Well, Paul reminds us of this. Hey, when there's a chapter 7, guess what? There's a chapter 8. And Romans 8.1 says this, therefore, though, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
That's powerful to know that when we come clean with our sin and ask for forgiveness, it's dealt with. And the devil cannot, and we were called to, not listen to him any longer to throw that condemnation towards us. What that means is that we can let go of it and that where discouragement fear, fear is, it can be in the rearview mirror for us to focus on the next battle ahead. Yes, there was loss. Yes, there was defeat. But what we do, how we go through the setback will be a set up for the comeback. And for Joshua and the army, it was going to be a rematch. See, here's a thought for you and setups to set you up for the, the comeback is to know this. For, for you know now not to underestimate your enemy. For you know now. You know what, from the experience you had and the defeat you have, now you know not to underestimate your enemy. Joshua and an army were feeling defeated and demoralized. They lost to this puny little village called Ai. And God says, listen, I'm going to give you another shot. Look at the next part of verse 1. It says, take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. Here, here's what's important. If you know from last week, take the whole army. What, what happened last time? They didn't take the whole army. He took, the, he took the, 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 just a little group of people. I went to a, a game last night, and they, they played the third stringers last night. It wasn't a very fun game to watch because it's like, that's not the best people we got. Why is Russell on the sidelines, right? Because they're, they're, they're preseason. And, and Joshua is thinking, oh, these people, this is not, this is a throwaway. We can take care of this. It's no big deal. He, un, he underestimated his enemy. And God's saying, don't do it again. This time, Joshua, take the whole group, okay? We're all going to get in on this, not just a part of, a part of it. How many know you've experienced and have eaten humble pie, and you, how you respond through it really matters. Though we, can, we, can, we, we shouldn't forget the past, meaning this is, it's critical to learn from it so we don't have to relive it. I know we want to forget about it, and we know that God's forgiven us, and we don't want to deal with the condemnation any longer, and that, that's important too, but we do need to learn from it. We still need to learn from what happened, because you don't want to repeat it. I like what Dr. Henry Cloud, put, he puts it this way, your past can be an ally in repairing the present and enduring a better future. It's really good, isn't it? To think I can learn from this. It can help me through it. And letting God use that pain of the past to prepare you for today and for tomorrow. And if you've experienced defeat and you've experienced failure, don't be discouraged. What's going on is you're growing. You're growing through it. You know, after my delinquent driver season, you know what? I have been the most perfect driver for the last 25, 30 years. No, that's not true at all. You ask me, how, how many more tickets have I gotten? Well, I don't know. I mean, we could, I don't know. I, that's, uh, you know I, I, but I've gotten better. I hope I have. And we're improving and improving and improving. That's part of hopefully we're learning our lessons that go in life. God is, you know, all of it, God wants to use the past mistakes and things that hope that even, even with the setbacks, even the things that we've done and we've chose and sinned, but also what's happened to us, all of it's part of God's refinement to grow us. And I love this awesome promise in James. It's in the message. It's just beautiful. It says this, Consider it a sure gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. And I read that, Really? You know that under pressure, your faith life, what does it do? It's forged into the open, and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. 
Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. How many know we, we, sometimes we read scripture, we don't jump to the end of that. Oh, I, I just want to be mature and I, I just want to get developed and I, I, I want to just, oh, I don't want, I want to be, I don't, I want to be, de- I don't want to be deficient. I want to be effective, right? Well, guess what? Got to go through the trials. Got to go through the, 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 the testing that's there, that the pressure that, that comes to it so that you grow through it to mature and well-developed, effective follower of Jesus. It's a refining process that, listen, to, to, to grow through it, you got to go through it. To, to, to grow through it, you gotta, you got to go through it. It's just, you can't go around it at times. That's how we mature. And that sets us up for the comeback when we learn our lesson. Which leads to this. Letting God go ahead of you to declare victory. Let God go ahead of you for victory, uh, to, to declare victory. You know, we're still in verse one. Have you noticed that? Look at the next one. It says, for I have delivered you in your hands, the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. This is what God's saying to Joshua. Listen, I, 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 I have delivered you. And we read that like, wait a second. The battle hasn't actually happened yet. And I'm not an English teacher or anything like that. But I understand that the the verb tense here is past perfect. It's saying the victory's already happened. You're like, that doesn't make sense. Well, God is sovereign. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. All at the same time, he's above the timeline that's there. He's, he reminds us again here that this is how he fights his battles. This is how he, is this, is that I go ahead of you. I've already declared victory what I've done. And it's, it's a reminder to us that when it comes to the Ark of the Covenant, maybe you've heard the term Ark of the Covenant, maybe you're new to the Bible and everything, you've heard like, maybe you watch, some of you have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, the Ark, don't open it, you, you, you'll melt and all that. I'm not sure if that was true back then. But the Ark, because there's people here going in the Ark of the Covenant, I've heard of it, but it's this box that would go front, in front of the army and it, it, it represented the presence of God. You're like, how does a gold box do that? But it was symbolic, but really believing the presence of God was going before him. It was to say, Lord said, I go ahead of you in your battle. The battle has already been won because I'm already there. I've already, I'm already there in the future of the battle that's already been fought. And guess what? We live in back to the future. We live in the back because what did Jesus do already? He, he declared victory in the battle on the cross for our sin. So now the, the war has already been won, but we're living in the battle. We're living in the things knowing it's already been declared. And why, why would God do it this way? Because at the end of the day, when the war has been won, and whatever victory we find in our life actually, is that he gets the credit. That he gets the honor and the glory and the worship. That he's the one that stands on the podium with the, with the gold medal around his neck. He did it, not us. Why is that important? Because the whole world would look and go on. If we ended up doing it, they would look to me, to, to, to you and I and go, great job. Way to go. And they move on with life. But when God does it, people are like, oh, wait a second. There's something to that. Because our light shines before men that they may see our good deeds and glorify God in heaven. It is through us that God wants to share in his glory, but it's to draw them to himself, not to just us. See, as followers of Jesus, let's not forget, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, as I said already, he won the victory on the cross for us. And so we can take heart and have confidence in the future victory because the battle has already been won for us. See, if you're... De- 
If you're wanting victory in your life, the hurt, the hang up and habitual sin that you're going through, it's marching ahead. But the way we do it, if, if, the, if, if the presence of God and God is the one that's ahead of us doing it, our weapon to fight is prayer. The way to fight the battle is on our knees that we're called to do. I tell you, prayer is it, it, we to pray in humility, but also we, but we're not to pray in presumption. They, 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 there's, there's a fine line. It's praying, Lord, thank you for hearing my prayer, and you will answer it because it's your war. We're, we're actually thanking God for the future victory, not in a presumptuous way, like grab it and claim it and all that stuff. I'm just saying victory's already happened with what Jesus has done. Now our, our, our step is to, is to step into prayer and, and the battle is there. I'm going to tell you, God is answering prayer. This last service, uh, Judy Hare was with us and she was a, a one of our, our Care and Connection people and she shared with me last week just this incredible testimony of a story of healing. Her her son, son's mother-in-law, her name's Lucy, was diagnosed with cancer around the pancreas. It was a tumor that what they found was inoperable, and it didn't really matter the treatment. It, she was terminal, and she only had a matter of months. And Judy heard this news from her son, and this is what she said, we're not going to lose her. If you know Judy around, she's like tough. She's like, we are not going to lose her. And she called, you know, almost like a spiritual air force. She called her ladies in her Bible study group that's in part of this church and said, we're not going to lose her. And we're going to battle. And these ladies battled in prayer for Lucy. And they went ahead and they said, we're going to try to do what we, do what we can. They're going to open her up, see what they can. And they found that the tumor had shrunk and they were able to remove it. The, the woman ended up like, like surviving not only, but got out of the hospital five days that more than expected. God can heal. God can do that. And I and I don't. I tell you, if you want Judy in the in the in the ladies group to pray, write on the connection card. Okay, I'm not saying they have a hotline to God, but they're people of prayer. I'm telling you, God wants to have us bring our needs to Him. Pray and do that. Listen, it's a setup for this comeback that's going to happen. But know this on all of it. God is constant in his character, but his motives and methods are always subject to change. God is constant in who he is, but his motives and methods change. They really change all the time. In fact, verse 2, here we are, I'll read verse 2. It says, you shall do to Ai and, it, and its king as you did to Jericho and its king except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Now you read that and go on. If we study chapter 7 before, you're going, wait a second, you're contradicting yourself, God. Because you told the, 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 the army before, don't keep the spoils of the war. Now you're saying that was in Jericho. Now you're saying AI, they can keep it? What's the, what, why is the, there just seem to be discre discrepancy? Well, when you look at the Bible, can I give you like Bible study tips? When you don't know something, that might mean that you don't know something. That might mean you go, and there, if there's a contradiction, there might be an explanation to it. So then what you do is you turn to smarter people to help you with that. And I'm like looking at that. I got to find a smarter person. And what I found was in the commentary, it says that there's two types of enemies that Israel fought. There's enemies that were idolatrous and there's just enemies. And in Jericho, the, the devoted things you read in chapter 6 where God told them not to take articles of silver and gold and all that, it was dedicated to idols. And God's concern was they would take that idolatrous articles and they would bring them into their camp and then they would begin to worship those false gods rather than worship him as the true one God. 
And so that was a concern for Jericho, but Ai wasn't the concern for that. And God said, no, you can keep the loot. You can keep the, you can keep the plunder to pay your soldiers in doing that. So I thought that was interesting to say, all this to remind us is that we're not in charge of the spoils of war. We're in the battle with the Lord. God's the one that provides that for us. We're not entitled to the spoils to the spoils. As followers of Jesus, can I remind us, we are not in it for the entitlement. And any time that you're following Jesus and you are in a place of demanding your rights and what you feel entitled to, as soon as you leverage that power and try to leverage toward what your rights are, you and I lose the influence to the people outside of faith. I've seen it this last 19 months where Christians have leveraged their power and demanding their rights and a community outside it's looking at it looks like you're about you not about serving others. Jesus is the exact opposite. Jesus calls us when it comes to not to demand the rights and entitled to the spoils of war we're called as soldiers to be servants of him. And we are to serve people and to love people and care for people. We, as soon as we demand our rights as it's Jesus followers, a world's looking out there and we've lost credibility with them. Now listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fight for injustice. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be praying for the Afghani people. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't help those that are being impressed in that. And we need to do that. We need to do, we're called many times, the Bible talks about fighting for those that are weaker and then we, we need to do that. But when we put ourselves in the center of what we think we want, that's where we're off. And the world's looking and going, you're about you. You're not really about anyone else, including the Lord himself. Can I remind us of this? If you're discouraged and you're going, God, it just seems like you used to go through, you used to do it this way and you're not doing it this way any longer. I prayed this way and I had answers before. I, I live my life this way and it's not working. Is it possible that God is changing the way he's doing things in your life? You know, but he did it this way before and I, well, you need to realize that faith is not a formula. It's a relationship. And the Lord is the one that rewards us. Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith it's impossible to please God. Because why? We come to him and must believe that he exists. And what does it say? He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Who's the rewarder? God's the rewarder. We're not to take the spoils, what we think we're in. God is the one that gives, us to, gives it to us. In his sovereignty, he also has different strategies. Look at the last part of verse two. It says, Joshua was told, set an ambush behind the city. Set an ambush. That was a different war with a different strategy. Jericho, they were to surround the city and they marched around it seven times, seven days, seventh day, collapsed. That was, the, that was the strategy. What was this one? An ambush. And I encourage you this week to go and read verses 3 through 29 of Joshua. That's your assignment to read it. But make sure you read it with with maybe people that are not too, too young with you. This is something you don't read to your little children at bedtime, your grandchildren, okay? Because you're gonna have to explain impalement. And that's gonna be an interesting conversation with a five-year-old what that is, okay? And so it's not gonna be in the Precious Moments Bible, okay? You know, in the Illustrated, right? I'm just saying, it's graphic, but it's what God does is it's potent. It's God said, I'm gonna do a complete work. I'm going to do a complete work, and this is my battle when I'm doing it. I tell you, 
God uses different battles in, to, for different methods. And so if you're getting discouraged and defeated, doesn't mean that God's not working in your life anymore. He's just doing it differently because it's a different season. Pastor, author, Annie Stanley puts it this way. He said about us in the church and we moving along, he says this. He said, we marry the mission, but we date the model. That we are to marry the mission, but date the model. Some of you are going, uh, what? That seems weird. Do you know, the, what's the mission? We're married to the mission. Like, we're not going to give up the mission of Jesus. It's the message of the gospel. It's, it's timeless. It's true. We're to go to make disciples of all nations, baptize them, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I commanded. And he says, I will be with you always. That's the promise we have, but that's the commission we're called to do. Never changes. The gospel's the gospel message of Jesus. But I tell you, though, the model can change. We're not committed to a model to do it. God does things differently. His, his character never changes, but his ways about him do change continually for the times we're in. Last Sunday evening, we had a, we had a great time with uh, our parents for United. You know, we're in a leadership transition in that, and it was great to hear from our parents. And, and I was excited as I met with some of our leaders this week that, hey, changes are happening. We're going to have to do things differently on a different night, and, and we're going to have to change things up. Why? Because we want to reach not only students that are part of our, our communities here at Blaine and North Bay, but we want to reach out to our community of students and there's going to be different ways to do that. I think some of us, can I challenge us, those who are older and, and followers of Jesus, there's sometimes we're going to have to learn to change our ways to reach the next generation. We're going to have to figure out, and you're like, well, I, I like it my way and I like it the way it is and I, I, I wish it, well, can I just challenge you with this, that someone back in the day changed their ways, their preferences to reach you. But I like this, and I like this, and these songs I wish we used to sing. Guess what? All the changes are happening to reach the, the new people that need to be reached, because that's the message we're called to preach. Old ways are the old ways. Jesus is doing a new thing. There's new battles. There's new strategies. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us at all. It, the, the Lord is the hero in all of it. So finally, know this, is in, in that, and our setbacks to comebacks is this. At some point, we need to make sure in, in the winning the battle is this, to rejoice, remember, and renew your commitment. To rejoice, remember, and renew your commitment. Every time almost, you could read through scripture, maybe there's an exception. Every time that God won the battle for Israel, what did they do? They thanked him, they worshiped him, they, and they renewed their covenant with him. That was the case in the win over Ai. This is what it says in chapter 8 at the end of, of, the, of this chapter. It says, Then Joshua built on Mount Abel an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. On it they offered to, offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrifice fellowship offerings. And verse 32 says this, Then, they, then in, in the presence of Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the law of Moses. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law. Summary of what was happening. Joshua and the people, they rejoiced in what God had done. They gave thanks and worshiped him. They returned to God's word and they recommitted their lives to him. Can I tell you, it'd be so tragic. It'd be so tragic if you're watching online and you've seen God work in your life and move in such a way and, and you just go, God, you did this. It's so amazing. And, and, and yet you got on the other side of it. You got into the comeback. But at the end of the day, how tragic it would be in the midst of it to go, man, I did it rather than God did it. How tragic it would be that we miss God in the, in the midst of our victory that was there. But can I remind us, we need to be reminded. 
We need to reminded that the battle is the Lord's. It's the victory that's already happened. And it happened through the cross of what Jesus had done. The war has been won through that. And we need to be reminded that, in fact, Jesus thought it was so, so important that we do that. That he says, I want you to do this, this a sacred, we call a sacrament in a church called Holy Communion to remember that. And invite Chris and Mackenzie as they come as we close in a time of communion. If you're here in person, it's in your chair. In fact, I can invite you right now to go ahead and peel that back. It takes some finger dexterity to get that ready. You have a little wafer in a cup here that you're going to hold together. If you're online, I just encourage you to find something you have, hopefully in front of you already, that you can participate with us here. I think it's pretty amazing that we are one with you, that those in this room are with you, and you're with us, that we're the body of Christ wherever we go and we're gathered here today, that we have this holy time with us. And as we prepare for this moment, I want to leave you with our spiritual practice this week, and this is to remember and renew your commitment through communion this week. In a moment here, we're going to share together here but I encourage you to take it with you this week as well. There's actually extra communion elements. And I really invite you to do this. On the way out, there's some baskets we got in the back. Take as many as you want. Um, take, it, take it for your family or maybe you're gathering in a small group community this week. Take as many as you want so that you could do community together. And as you do that, I encourage you with this exercise is to go around and share how God has brought victory in your life. What he's done in your life. And then also share about where you're feeling setback right now in your life. Where, where you need your challenge and your struggle and your life. I really need to believe the Lord's going to bring victory. I'm gonna, I need to get, I need, I, I really need to believe God's setting, setting me up for a comeback that's coming. And I, I submit that to the Lord, that challenge, whatever it might be. Can I tell you, when we posture ourselves that way, that sets us up for the comeback. Because at the end of the comeback, we're going, God, you did this. And you worked and you moved. It was amazing. But Lord, I'm in the middle right now. and I need your help to do that. Can I tell you, when we hold this symbolically, it's he did it already. We do this in remembrance of him. The battle has already been won. It's already declared victory for us. He did it on the cross. So if you're faced with a circumstance, a health issue, a job relationship, different circumstances, you're feeling down and defeated, and let's just admit it. For some of us, it's sin. The setback was our fault. It might have been a delinquent driving season. It might have been a time in your life, even right now you're going through, you're like, man, I just really have blown it. I've blown it in this relationship. I've blown it in some friendships. I, you know, my marriage, I, I financially, there's just a lot of things that I really, Lord, I just, I need you, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And there might be some plans of making some amends this week with someone that you need to do that with. Take the moment for your life right now and recognize this. What we hold is finished work. Jesus on the cross his last words before he bowed his head were, it is finished. You know, you think about that three plus years, those his followers were with him going, when he died, they thought, that's it. That's it. They probably forgot words. And we know, and we, we look at the story later, they forgot completely what was going to take place. But, but God didn't. When Jesus bowed his head on the cross and died, what died was our sin. What died was defeat. What died was our failure. The finished work of Christ on the cross was he died for our sin. 
to give us this victory that we can have together. And Jesus knew this. He, he knew that we, we, we needed to remember this. In fact, that's what he told his disciples the night before. Because they weren't going to piece it all together till later. But he wanted to set them up. That there was going to be a setback, but there will be a comeback. And he, the setup was communion. He says this to them. And we're gathered here in this moment as we remember Jesus. He held up a piece of bread and says, this is my body that is to be broken and put to death for you. Eat in remembrance of me. Jesus knew that the time would come. He knew that how significant that his blood would be shed for our sin. He knew that that needed to take place, that we would have the forgiveness and the purity of our lives, that we could approach a, a holy God that would be the pathway to the destination of our ultimate promised land is heaven. But he said, before that, you need to recognize it is my blood that's going to be poured out. Drink in remembrance of me. I want to encourage you as we, we go to prayer here today to do this in remembrance of him this week. To take time in your week, to take time with your family and to remember Jesus. You don't need a pastor to do this. You don't need some clergy to guide you through this. You just need time and devoted time with the Lord. So Jesus, I just take my setbacks. In fact, right now, I want to pray for you. If you're feeling you're in a place of a setback, recognize the war has already been won and we declare victory in that war, you just need to go through the battle. You need to go, you need to go through by growing through it to the place that you find the victory that will come, the comeback. And you're not in charge of your comeback. You, I'm not in charge. You're, you're, you, God will show you and you'll see victory at the end. But let's commit together that when that happens, that we give him all the credit, that we give him all the glory for what he will do. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we declare victory. We declare that victory over sin and death have been defeated and it's just a setup. Lord, the reason we, we, we sit here today and we're present and online with you in this moment here today that we find victory is, is the cross did that work for us, for our sin. But not only that, we stand and sit and, and reflect in the victory that you did giving us life through your resurrection. That you are a risen Lord as well as our Savior that was put to death. And we recognize that victory and the life that we have to come. Oh Lord, help us in these challenges and these, these setbacks that we're experiencing more in our world and all that's going on that we have this perspective that you are at work and you're helping us to, as we go through it, you're going to help us grow through it and God, you're going to get us to a place where we're going to see victory on the end and there's just a big setup for this comeback of what you're going to do because ultimately, Lord, we know that you will come back one day and we declare your death resurrection and you're coming again this morning and all you've done God go with us this week and that strength and that power as we walk and live in that victory in Jesus name amen we stand